This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pit Barrel Cookers. Stay tuned for more information. Welcome to episode 61 of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. We have a wicked guest today, White Linces. So stay tuned to get into that right away quick. But for now, it's me and my good friend Chase Drylick uh, behind the mics doing the intro. And I guess we might as well start off. What, what have you been up to over there, Chase? Well, um, really just licking my wounds mostly from uh, from elk camp there, chasing around elk in the woods for uh, a few weeks in the inner lake bush. I'm not going to get too in-depth on that since we are going to have an episode on that coming up. But uh, just trying to refocus now on some whitetail hunting, some archery whitetail hunting, and possibly some waterfowl hunting so i'm kind of excited this uh this is the first week here i'm going to get to sit in the deer stand and uh we got kind of one target buck in the area but i got some doe tags and stuff to fill so lots of does around and uh, itching to get out there how about you man yeah same thing man i'm licking my wounds from the elk camp but at the same time i've been doing a lot of reflecting on that camp um just because you go onto like facebook or instagram and you see these guys with these nice elk and sorry not got just guys but both men and women with a bunch of nice elk that they've harvested this year and there's a touch of jealousy that kind of floats through my my energy i guess i would say but at the same time like i think out of all the people that are out hunting we're seeing like zero to one percent of the elk being harvested right so not harvesting one this year isn't that big of a deal for the flip side i've learned a lot yeah and i've been doing a little bit of uh, deer hunting i was out with my old man a few weeks ago uh sat on a what is a friday night had a good win had actually a perfect set um had a buck within 20 yards and i'm still i still think about him to today thinking i should have maybe took a poke at him he was a nice deer he would have been you know between uh if i could give him a number from the field i would have said between a 120 130 class buck so it would have been, uh, you know, kind of right where I, a great, a great bow buck for me. And uh, I just decided to wait. It's, it's hard to, hard to, uh, pull the trigger when you only have one tag for the full year. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Um, sounds like a great buck. It's funny you talk about the social media thing and, uh, getting into that. And I've been having the same kind of envy of looking at people's success and man there have been some just unbelievable bulls taken in manitoba this year it's it's oh, yeah. uh it's pretty sweet but i feel like uh yeah we had some some great opportunities too um so i got a funny story here though yesterday we kind of crossed paths um i was actually driving with a buddy headed out to uh the border of saskatchewan to pick up uh, snowmobile for his kid and uh so there's a couple funny parts of the story we're cruising along the highway and we're just outside brandon and there's this like little creek by this rv park and i look over my shoulder at the creek and here's this like young bull moose standing right in the creek right by the rv park and i couldn't believe it man it was it was uh super cool to see because i haven't seen a moose for a while but at the same time, I was like, what the heck? Like, there wasn't a whole lot around there besides just that little clump of slough in the RV park. So um, I'm fairly certain I wasn't getting uh, stooped by some sort of uh, decoy or sign. And then we're uh, cruising along and uh, seeing another moose hit on the highway. So um, we stopped and had a look at it. It was 
all bloated up already, had a broken leg, and it was a, a young bull. The bull was so young, it didn't even have antlers yet. Like, it was just little nubs under the, under the scalp. So then we go get the snowmobile, and we're coming home, and it's getting late at night, super dark out, and we're coming down number one, and uh, my my buddy is driving, and all I hear him say, what the hell? And I look up, and here's this, like, nice four-point buck laying dead on the middle of the highway and like half its rack had already been smashed off but the other <laughs> half is still hanging up and uh he has a leveling kit and some bigger tires on his truck which i think saved his bacon a little bit but he still made contact underneath the truck with his other antler somewhere um no damage on his vehicle that we could see but i know the, the car behind us definitely smoked it pretty hard and <laughs> <laughs> they didn't uh they didn't go in the ditch or anything but hopefully their vehicle was all right too but so yeah i don't know if a semi took that out or what happened but yeah the crazy thing with those moose in uh southern manitoba man those bulls when it comes into rut they 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 travel like long distances i think to find the next next cow or whatever it may be um on the weekend speaking of moose i went for so actually it's kind of a cool story my dad uh, wanted to do some waterfall hunting and <clears throat> I didn't actually, I didn't have my, my tags or anything yet or my license for waterfall. And I was going elk hunting for the day Saturday. So I didn't want to commit to that and then be caught up with that until like lunchtime or whatever. So I was like, no, 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 I can't go. So he ended up taking a couple kids out like the local or some, some neighbors and stuff like that. Uh, young kids and that were actually, they're under the age of 12. So they didn't even get to shoot. They just came out to like check it out. So I ended up, cruise around that or help them set up and cruise around that morning and then help them take everything down or whatever but when i was going for a little scout cruise i seen a bull moose and i seen him from about a mile away he was actually pretty nice like i'd say probably over 40 inches and he was just standing kind of on the edge of a field and so i came around the mile came around the corner and he like laid down beside this bluff and it was kind of funny because i i so i jumped to the truck and i shut the truck off and I did a few calls and he started coming and he like came to like probably 70 yards and I'm pretty sure he smelt a rat, but it was, <laughs> he did the exact same thing as, you know, that like meme of Homer Simpson when something happens and he like backs into the, to the bush and all yeah. he sees is his face and then he disappears. That's what the moose did, man. He like backed into the willows and all he could see was his head and his, and his antlers. Sticking <laughs> up. And then like all of a sudden he like just disappeared. And I was just like, wow, that was so funny. Just super but sneaky. That was my moose experience. Slide out. That's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. That's pretty cool though to see him. It's it's nice to see him around like that, man. It's super cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool to see it, and uh, hopefully they keep um, doing well in Southern Manitoba. Because by the sounds of it, uh, some of those closed areas might be getting hunted this year, which is no good. But that's another day's topic. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole bag of worms right there. Um, besides that topic, let's hop into uh, what's on the tap and the turntable and the grill. What do you think about that? Let's do this. Okay. Let's do it. What do you got on the tap these days? Anything? Well, you're going to go with me first. Yeah. Um, I, I know you, you said you've been uh, you've been kind of laying low quite a bit. So. Um, yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't had really too many drinks since uh, elk camp. I, you know, have a few drinks at elk camp every night or every couple nights. It kind of wears on a guy. So I haven't been having the alcohol beverages as much as uh, normal, but. I did enjoy a nice cup of coffee in Kahlua the other morning on Sunday morning. Um, don't know why, but it was just available, so I just had a cup of coffee in Kahlua <laughs> at about 11 o'clock in the morning there and had one cup of that, and I was like, man, this is pretty good. But 
I think that's what's going to put me on the tap today. Cool, man. I'm going to have to go with uh, Labatt's Blue. It used to be the, the go-to beer for me for quite some time, and I haven't had one for a while. And and, uh, and uh, you had a couple in camp there, and I had one, and it was pretty tasty. So there's a couple sitting in the refrigerator waiting for the right day right now, but um, it'll be cold for the next go-around, whenever that is. Right on. And then the other thing I'm gonna, I'm just going to add on on Sunday, <clears throat> I went and watched some football with a couple buddies and I ha- I took a, I think a Fort Gary variety pack. So it had like the light and the whatever, blah, blah, blah in the dark. Yeah. And they, they can make a pretty good beer too. I haven't had a Fort Gary in, in quite a while and that was actually really refreshing a couple of those ones. So I like their dark beers are, they're pretty good. Like all their beers are yeah. good, but they're, uh, I'm pretty impressed with their darks like that. Right. What about the turntable, man? What have you been listening to these days? To be honest with you, I've been listening to, I'm back on the Del Barber train. Nice. And uh, what's what's that album called? Is it called Patient Man? Like his latest one? Uh, either that or Easy Keeper. Can't remember. Easy Keeper. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. But that song, Big Smoke, man, I can listen to that thing on repeat. And I, I seen that, I think you and Tristan are going to a one of his concerts or something coming up or some yeah. kind of showing or whatever. It just got rescheduled to February because of the COVID stuff, which really oh, sucks. Shit, eh? Man, I was pumped up to, to go see him live. Yeah, no uh, kidding. But yeah, that got me back onto the Del Barber train and seeing that post that you guys were, that you guys were going to attend that. So I turned that back on and man, that guy can tell a good story through a song. That's for sure. Oh man, it's crazy. Super what do you good, got? Super good music. Um, you know, I was listening to the Mediator podcast the other day, and they had uh, a fellow from uh, Trampled by Turtles on there. So I've been kind of going back into the library and going through uh, a few of those jams. So um, some good music, same kind of like folky, bluegrassy, kind of their own their own sound kind of thing. So um, I like that style, like that music, and uh, yeah. It's good to kind of go back to something that you haven't listened to in a while, you know, that you enjoyed. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Brings back some memories. Yeah. And moving on to what's on of, Oh, what do you got? I was just going to transition. I was going to say, speaking of memories, what's on the grill? Um, I posted about it this week on Instagram, but um, Tyler and I at Elk Camp, uh, we cooked up some deer backstrap sliced it up thin with some butter and onions and green peppers and cooked it right on the wood stove right in the cabin and had that on some toast man is that stuff ever good and not only that it brings back so many good memories of my childhood and i mean we ate deer meat like three or four times a week it seemed for obvious reasons i mean my dad ran a small business in in the town in Ipua, so i mean he probably struggled uh, from time to time so we were eating a lot of deer meat and to have that again <clears throat> with butter and onions man it just yeah all the memories came back it was just like a relaxing uh comfort food sharing that with a with a beer that night it was it was freaking delicious man that's cool and uh like we didn't do a whole lot of cooking inside the cabin this year because uh the temperatures permitted uh were were favorable for the for the outdoor kitchen that's for sure but um you know you, you get that uh scent memory going too and that just that that extra sensory of cooking up, whipping up a good meal over the stove and stuff inside the cabin yeah. certainly adds to the, the experience, right? So, yeah, and the scent, sweet. good point. The the scent, like that, like what it smelled like. Like we had pine burning in the wood stove, and then the smell of onions and deer steak cooking on top. Man, it was like if you could 
if you could paint a picture of like a log cabin in the middle of the woods cooking some food, that's the smell that would go with that picture, basically. Oh, that's so cool, man. Um, for me, what's on the grill, I've, I've really been tapping into the pit barrel lately in case people haven't <laughs> haven't been surprise, watching surprise. on Instagram. <laughs> um, I managed to track down some uh, charcoal. So I picked up a few bags to have in the bank kind of thing, but I've been burning through it pretty quick because I've pretty much been using that every every day. But, okay, I'm going to stop you there for a minute, Chase. Yeah. The charcoal um, pandemic of Manitoba right now, you picked up coconut shell charcoal? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What do you think of it? Like, what do you compare that? Would you compare it? Is it good? Like, I don't even know. I don't know, man. I, I can't say, like, I don't know. I don't know what to what to compare it to. Like it didn't it was it didn't stand out in my mind. Um, it's like a compressed version of coconut shell, so it's like a, it's compressed into a log, right? It's a burnable thing, I guess. And uh, I I really don't know okay, if there was it, any benefit there. Let's I, do it this way. Did it burn? Did it burn as hot and as long as your traditional charcoal? And if it did, what was the price difference on like a per pound? Do you know? I think it did, but I mean, I'm pretty sure Canadian Tire's blown it out. It was like, uh, what was it? About eight bucks a bag for like a ten pound bag, I think. So it was it was fairly cheap as far as charcoal goes. Well, a few bucks cheaper. Nothing crazy. The two bags that I picked up this week were uh, both actually equally priced. Twenty bucks for twenty pounds, pretty much. And I bought a picked up a bag of Kingsford and a bag of uh, like lump charcoal. So. Oh yeah been playing around with that but the probably the favorite my favorite thing that uh, i did this week and probably one of my most favorite things that i've done on the pit barrel so far is um i smoked the whole shoulder roast from that uh, wild boar that i got and and the roast was really interesting i've never seen one cut like this it was like from like the top shoulder blade and they didn't separate the shoulder and there was some ribs in there too kind of thing on the other side, it was super weird. I have no idea what, what kind of cut it would be called. Would uh, it be like close to like a rib roast kind of thing or what? Not not a rib roast. I guess roast if it was the top was, shoulder. Yeah, yeah. There, was no, there was no like backstrap in there at all. Anyways, it was perfect because it was just like super fatty. And I cooked that thing on there for like eight hours. And by the time I took it off, it was I obviously peel apart. And I whipped up some of those uh, flatbreads that Josh... McFadden had, had done with us a few times and uh I also did some smoked pickled onions that were smoked on the pit barrel and uh what else did I do smoke some jalapenos on there put a couple peaches on slices of the peaches on the that flatbread and had some smoked garlic aioli that I whipped up and man it was something else just a banner meal and uh I don't know pretty tough to beat pretty tough to beat everyone was pretty happy with it so your wife and kids are super lucky, man. I'm just waiting to get adopted by you guys so I can uh, eat like like a king here for <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> but that the Pipero Barbecue, man, it's a they're a huge supporter of Panoramic Outdoors. And I just want to give them a quick shout out. They're the original vertical smoker barrel. Um, they come from Louisville. If you're in the United States, and you want to pick up one. It's free shipping, and they actually you'll get it the ne- I believe the next day or in two days, and they guarantee you that. If you're in Canada, there's a a map of a wide variety of distributors in Canada. But when you buy a pit barrel barbecue, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with it that you might not know, but you get the steel stainless steel hooks, you get 
um, steel hanging rods. You get a charcoal basket so that you can, it's very easy to fill the barrel full of charcoal and then clean it out with this basket. You get uh, your standard grill and you get a wood hook remover so you can, you're not burning your hands removing the hooks. And then you get a three-point stand where where every where the whole barrel sits on, so it's up off the ground. Uh, it's not burning, uh, you know, burning a hole in your deck or whatever it may be. Although I'm going to point out that you don't want to be putting this on a wooden deck, anyways. You'll want to put it on a piece of cement. And then not only that, they throw in a five-ounce pack of all-purpose pit rub and a five-ounce pack of beef and game pit rub, and that's just on a purchase of one barrel. So you can get like the full-size barrel or the pit barrel junior and all this stuff gets thrown in and like we were talking about at camp it's super easy to transport because all this stuff all these accessories go into the barrel put the lid down strap it into your truck or wherever however you're transporting it and you're off to camp so it's like super easy super easy to use go to pit barrel bar pit barrel cooker.com that's www.pitbarrelcooker.com and pick up your pit barrel today because you won't be disappointed and if you want uh, any information on it feel free to dm us and uh ask any questions man that that's one of the the best things i love about that pit barrel is that you can just throw everything inside i even throw my bag of charcoal in there and strap it down in the box my truck and that thing is not going anywhere and you can strap it tight and not have to worry about it like breaking like you would a barbecue right because some of those barbecues are pretty flimsy the legs on them and shit like that so um it's pretty sweet yeah yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy the the barbecue. That's for sure. And I mean, just like we've said a million times now, and we'll we'll keep on saying it, is just the flavor from it is is unbelievable. Like, you don't have to be a pro like smoker or barbecue person. You can literally just pick one up and start barbecue with it, and you'll enjoy enjoy the product. Oh, that's the best part about it. You just set it and forget it pretty much, and then whenever you want to take your meat out, good to go. Super cool. That's right, man. So before we get into the podcast here, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's listening and uh, continues to listen. Um, You guys are obviously the backbone of this company and uh, you fine folks are the ones that keep us going here. So uh, thank you very much. If you want to support us in any way, go rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Or check out our gear on our store at panoramicoutdoors.com. We got lots of fresh new gear in there. Hats, buffs, sweaters, t-shirts, toques for your fall hunting. We got blaze orange. We got camo. We got streetwear. We got everything you need. So check all that stuff out. And we have flat rate shipping on right now. So normally shipping is like ridiculously expensive. Even in Canada, even in Manitoba, for me to ship something just up the street is like $15. So right now in Manitoba, our shipping is $6 anywhere in Manitoba or $10 anywhere in Canada. So hop on that quick if you're thinking about loading up for Christmas or want to get something quick in your uh, arsenal for the fall. Now's the time to do it. And some big news to add on to that. And also, I'm going to second everything Chase just said. And uh, yeah. Give us a rating and comment on our podcast platforms. That goes a, a long, long way. Um, but our sweaters, our signature gray and black sweaters, are ordered as of today. We finally found stock. What? They should be here in five weeks. No big deal. Um, so if you do want one and you don't want to wait for five weeks, message us on Instagram and Facebook. Get your name on one. We'll have all the sizes. Uh, there should be no issues. And I know there's been a lot of people messaging us looking for them. And I apologize that we couldn't get them in stock. But of course, of course... Because of COVID, 
factories are closed down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we finally found some stock and we've got, we're getting them made and they should be here in four to five weeks. Got lucky, man. We got lucky. Yeah, boy. Well, without further ado, we hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode and uh, sit back and enjoy. Fire it up. Again, sitting here with White Lindsay. Uh, White, we met at the gym in Selkirk, uh, Iron Image, pumping some iron. Is it is it Lindsay or Lindsay? Lindsay. Yeah. Lindsay. It's French, actually, when you say. Oh, really? Lindsay. Cool. I'm not going to be able to pronounce that properly. <laughs> not the en français part, at least. Not the croissant. No. And uh, we actually got connected through kind of, I, I don't know if you're a mutual friend, but another gym member there, Rob Belanger, former, former C, CO. Yeah. And uh, Great guy. yeah, he was saying that uh, you were going up to Clearwater yeah. and uh, and then he said, he pointed at me because I always pick Rob's brain when I'm there too. And he said, that guy just came back from Clearwater. <laughs> and, then, and then we started talking and we got into it. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks for coming on the show. How'd that Clearwater trip go? I'm curious about that. It was good. It was, uh, thanks for having me, by the way. Uh, yeah, Clearwater. It was our second year going. Uh, the wind was okay. It was kind of southeast, so it kind of blew along Clearwater the entire time we were there. Yeah. But it was good. We got on some fish. Not like the size that I was looking for, but the experience alone is great. Like, I love it. It's, like, I was born and raised in northern Ontario, so to go up to those those lakes uh, reminds me of home. It kind of... Even the bush, it kind of changes, and you get that uh, that kind of uh, rocky Canadian shield, or what's that Canadian shield? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So no, it was good. I, I uh, Rocky Lake went up to Rocky too, but again, the wind was insane that day. So fishing, uh, couldn't get to the spots I wanted to. Uh, and then Barbie, Barbie was nice, little cute lake. Yeah, uh, can't believe how dark the rainbows were. It was nice. Yeah, and the, the brookies have great color on them too there, I noticed. Yeah, so. I never got any brookies. but No, you didn't tie into any? No, but no, it's, I'm looking forward to going back though. It's it's yeah. going to be uh, just that whole area. Like even if you go a little bit north, like you get into so many beautiful bodies of water and hunting experiences, whatever. It's, uh, it's a wealth, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If someone was heading north to, to the Paw or even farther, like we're alluding to here, any uh, any recommendations? Uh, no, not yet. I mean, I, it's, I haven't built that much of a relationship where people recommend stuff, but I know, uh, local tackle shop in the Paw has, uh, a lot to offer. Pete's, uh, is it Pete's? Pete's yeah. Pete Pro Tackle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them, I guess. Uh, yeah, I couldn't find a lot of the, the bigger game stuff I was looking for in Cabela's and I was kind of slow, so I hadn't ordered any or anything. And, uh, yeah, so when I went up there, uh, they ended up having everything big tubes big uh big laker rigs and uh cisco and lots of bait and uh pretty good shop yeah nice yeah so if anybody's heading up that way and you're forgetting stuff peak pro tackle for sure poke in there yeah yeah and so that got us chatting about fishing or chase did you have a question about clear water there nope go ahead man yeah we got chatting about fishing and then you started mentioning some of the work you do yeah so uh right now I do uh, land-based therapy, land-based services. I contract through uh, Child Family Services, uh, Southeast Division. And uh, so, yeah, the job that I do is, is kind of uh, getting kids reconnected to the land. And uh, I do that through fishing and through doing wood, basically. So it's the things that uh, the things that were passed on to me, like as a, as a child, 
and the things that that allowed me to feel kind of grounded and to like the things that like attract me to to nature is I, I love doing wood I love the like everything about it bucking down a tree carrying out the physical aspect of it uh, the idea that you're providing fire warmth uh, you look like you bucked your fresh share of wood yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Why is a pretty sturdy looking dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's fun. Yeah, he's a good ambassador for Iron Image there. Yeah, yeah. it's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the wood and then the, the fishing, uh, and then uh, so yeah, it's great. I'm I'm blessed. Like I uh, couldn't have dreamed the position I'm in right now. It's uh, like I, I don't think you could you could start out and say like this is what I want to do in life. It's kind of something that just kind of fell together through my life experiences and uh yeah i'm in a, in a good position right now to uh to be a mentor and to, to help the youth and to uh to uh especially the, the southeast communities because they're all basically attached to lake winnipeg and uh like ancestrally like like when i take them fishing on the red river i'll explain them like you know 20 years ago 150 years ago imagine what it looked like here like all the different trading areas all the different people all the you know the uh people traveling on the river all the you know mm-hmm. the bigger ships and the canoes and mm-hmm. settlements and everything and explain like this is like this is your waterway this is like you draw strength from this like and you know for them to be able to uh to connect with that i think it's huge like and uh you know you get these kids that spend a lot of time in the city and uh you know to take them out on the water and then for a kid to lean over and express like how the sunshine off the water makes them feel good. It's like, that's cool. Like that he's able to, to recognize that and see that. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be very empowering. Yeah. Or to be like, uh, to stop, uh, in the dead of winter, uh, before we hit the lake and you get that muffled sound of like the snow creates that, that, that quietness, mm-hmm. the birds yeah. chirping. And then they're like, oh, I haven't heard that. It reminds me of my granny or, you know, to be able to provide those experiences so they could like go back to that place of comfort. Yeah. It's very therapeutic. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's my job in a nutshell. That's cool. That's, that's interesting. You talk about those, uh, how those experiences bring up the memories too, because like, I know I, I try to pay more attention now when I'm out in the wild of just my memories and what kind of sound smells and, uh, visualization and stuff like that just like that key in a memory and and uh certainly making connections to like just sensory stuff on the water or like in the winter you get oh, that dead of sound or like oh, it's so much to appreciate seasonally one thing that's really sticks out of my mind is like when you get one of those like really minus 30 minus 40 days that are dead calm man and there's nothing like that and it's just like i feel like sound can travel forever on those days through the woods it's oh, unreal. Cool. I love it, yeah. 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 There's like, you know, in the fall time, you get that smell, that smell that comes up and, you know, like, yeah. hey, hunting's like. Oh, we were just talking about that. Yeah, yeah. that smell hits you, yeah. And then, like, this time of year, you feel a summer flip and, like, all of a sudden, like, I want to hunt. Like, we're, you, mm-hmm. know, you just get this feeling like that. A little switch. Yeah, yeah, the switch happens, yeah. Or cruising on the river and smelling the different blooms, like, yeah. you know, the sweet grass or the different flowers, recognizing that. Yeah. Different birds at different times of the year. Is like, yeah. Yeah. They turn yeah, all these great feelings. Like. I guess you can liken it to being awake in some, some ways. Like, you know, you could, you could cruise down that river in ignorance in some ways, we'll say. Yeah. Looking at your phone. You're looking at your phone, right? <laughs> being distracted. <laughs> yeah. Or you can kind of be awake and present and yeah, noticing moment. what, uh, 
nature's putting out there for you. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. yeah, and a lot of those experiences, like, especially going on the lake, when you, like, you know, when you do it modernly and you take your truck out on the ice, uh, you got to pay attention. Like, you got to, you know. <laughs> There's been times I've driven on the lake and like had genuine anxiety attacks on the way back because I lost my line. You know? Oh yeah, and you got to cross ridges and you're by yourself and you're like, oh god, what do I do? To this? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm never doing this again. Certainly running high. Yeah, and then <laughs> you know you get that that little bit of shade that comes in with the low light and there's, oh, no, there's no more depth. It's impossible to oh, see like any sort of depth in snow. It's the way, yeah, yeah. But you got to experience those things because you have to, you know, we have to. You got to experience those. The only way to learn to to get through those things is to experience them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no growth without without experiences, right, and failures and stuff. So, and having said that, one of the big connections to that that like uh, would really allow me to have respect for Clearwater Lake and now Rocky is uh, like learning to navigate those waters. Like when when the wind comes up and you got no choice but to get to the other side of the lake, uh, you have to deal with it. And it's it's scary if, if you don't have like the the dead rise on your boat to break those waves, and mm-hmm. you don't know how to navigate them. You got to learn. Yeah. And if you're gonna be an experienced boater or fisherman, you have to be able to navigate those waters, like like to the point where it's it's like really uncomfortable and like oh man, I could possibly die from this. Like, yeah. <laughs> and back of your mind, you're like, well, you know, I'm gonna go out doing what I love doing, you know. But yeah. But you gotta and so Clearwater Lake last year. Uh, I have a 16 foot with an 90 horse uh, Lund. And the dead rise isn't that much. But I figured out, like, I had to figure out how to navigate that uh, water. And when I finally was able to, I, it's like I seen this line. And, like, it stopped looking like big swells. And it just looked like, like, disturbed water. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, like, to cruise at, at a comfortable speed and to, to get over that. And I feel like that lake taught me that. So, it's like I have this connection with this lake now that. Yeah, that's, that's big water for that boat. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we got a little humbled with our boat, too, on uh, Lake Winnipeg. <coughs> This year. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's <laughs> when you get humble, eh? Yeah. <laughs> when Mother Nature decides, yeah, you've gone too far. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we know the lake pretty well, too, but it's just, again, it's just always there to provide you with a reminder of just how tiny you are in the whole scheme of things. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what I love about, about just being out there. And, and again, seasonally, like, there's different things that come up and that, you know, like, you have to learn and adapt. And Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I I want to dig into the the land based um, therapy a little bit more here because yeah, I'm course, sure there's yeah. a lot of people just really keen kind of dive into that and just to summarize like what you're essentially doing here is you're connecting youth to like teachings and um, it, would it would it be fair to say culture through well, culture of... yeah it's a big uh, culture component uh, a little bit of background about about what allowed me to be in this position is. Uh, I grew up in Northern Ontario. Uh, my In Ontario, we didn't really have the 60s scoop. And my mom was adopted out because uh, my grandfather and his partner uh, wouldn't, they're, they're too, like he was Anglican and she was Protestant. So back in those days, like not even being native and white, just the fact that they didn't have the different uh, religious, religious views, they, yeah. they wouldn't have worked out. So my mom went up for adoption. And later on in life, like, she always kind of knew that, like, growing up in a, in a, you know, white community, French community, uh, that, you know, someone was kind of different about her. And uh, she went looking and she found my grandfather, Lindy. And it turns out my grandfather, Lindy, was this, like, he's legendary in, in James Bay. Uh, he grew up, he's from Attawapiskat on, uh, in Ontario on the James Bay coast. And uh, he grew up in Moose and Moose Factory. 
which is kind of right on the right on the nipple of the bottom of James Bay. And those two communities, uh, they're just there's a winter road now, but it's uh, you can only get in there by flying or by train. And Lindy, growing up, uh, uh, seen planes coming in, and decided that someday he wanted to be a pilot. So at a really young age, uh, he decided that he would borrow his father-in-law's boat to start uh, guiding people coming off the train. Go catch walleye, pike, sturgeon, uh, sea run trout, brook trout, uh, all these different, you know, take them out moose hunting. So just by boring the boat, he kept reinvesting himself, reinvesting himself. And eventually, before he was 18, he had uh, a few boats, uh, prospector tents, cook kits, uh, fishing rods, everything to provide the experience. So personally, get off the train, in the boat, everything's, you know, total accommodation. By the time he was 18, he bought his parents a home. Now, this is a young native kid. Uh, with just uh, a work ethic and a desire to, to succeed. Like, he just had a vision. Uh, you know, he was hard-headed and stubborn, and he's seen <laughs> it through. And when he was uh, in his early 20s, he started working for Austin Airways. And they, uh, with permission from the the Indian agent, was allowed to go to Montreal to write his uh, pilot's license. With a great education, uh, got his pilot's license and became the first uh, native native person to have a commercial bush pilot's license. No kidding. Yeah, there was wow. uh, there's actually a uh, New York Times article on him from way back in the day. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lindy uh, Lindy Ludit was his name. Lindy Ludit. And uh, so he uh, bought a few planes. He, I think he had like two or three beavers, uh, maybe two otters. He had like full on crew. He had a hangar. Full operation out of Cochrane, Ontario. And uh, he ran that business for till the mid 80s, I, I'm assuming. And then he sold it, moved to Florida. And uh, anyway, so my mom met up with him and she found out that here's here's Lindy. So Lindy came into her life. And uh, so around that time, we, we moved to the reserve, uh, lived with Lindy. And so Lindy, and like I grew up uh, like uh, not knowing I was native. So it was a big culture shock for me to to live on the reserve and to live with uh with this this strong man Lindy like you know he he didn't put up with any of my uh my uh yeah bullshit like <laughs> yeah. he's he's pretty firm like he he's, yeah. yeah and like with growing up like it was it was the woodpile and like it was my job to to keep uh the house warm so I mean my childhood was just wood like I. Like anytime we had a snow day or a day off from school, it was wood. Getting like, wood. Yeah, I get wood. Yeah. Like work first, play later. And uh, like I always, like I had a, like we butted heads a lot. And, but uh, I have a different relationship. Like he's passed on, he died of cancer uh, 10 years ago. But like I have a different relationship now. Like I really respect what he, what he passed on to me that, that work first, play later, that work ethic, that uh, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you. Like, you know, just reflect on his life and how he succeeded. And then same with my mother. My mother's a native artist, a professional artist. She's been uh, doing her artwork for three years. Uh, that's how she makes a living. And uh, my grandfather helped her. And we sold art all over uh, Canada. So I got to travel uh, that way, selling selling art. And that's another time that we you know we packed the fishing rod. A lot of trips down to southern Ontario, uh, around uh, Manitoulin Island. Uh, we went salmon fishing in Owen Sound. Uh, Caught a few uh, coho salmon. Nice. Yeah, that's an experience. Yeah. Until you catch a salmon, 
Yeah, you're not really a fisherman. <laughs> it's insane. I guess I'm the only one at the table here who's not really a fisherman. <laughs> you caught that before? Yeah. It's awesome, eh? Yeah. Oh, Good yeah. Experience. It's a wicked, wicked Ooh. experience, man. Yeah, they peel line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you get bruises on your hips from uh, like catching multiples. In man, my... my uh, just goes to show how much salmon, salmon fishing I actually have done, but uh, took a couple of knuckle busters off the uh, the old... Mooching reel? The mooching reel there <laughs> from just the salmon going on a run and you're trying to just hold it back a little bit. Oh, whack, whack, whack. Yeah. Learn quick though. Yeah. <laughs> Insane, yeah. So, yeah. So, I got to travel. Uh, and at that point, that's when I started visiting a lot of different communities and, and getting a feel for for what a native community looked like and, and the people. And, you know, everywhere you go, like, uh, native people are the most inviting, uh, laugh a lot. You know, they're really accommodating, uh, really generous, like, good, you know. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun, you know, traveling to these different communities. And, uh, uh, you know, around then I was like 14, 15, 16. And uh, so, yeah, it was a good building block for, for the man I am today. And through those experiences, uh, uh, my, we started doing ceremony. Uh, we, I grew up in Chapel Creek First Station in uh, northern Ontario. It's near Timmins and Walla. And... Uh, at the time, there wasn't a lot of ceremony in the area. And uh, so this man started coming from the West, uh, David Blacksmith, and he was kind of reviving ceremony in communities. So what he, instead of uh, communities relying on people coming from outside to do ceremony, he uh, brought ceremony back to the communities. He identified people that, that could uh, could conduct these ceremonies or, or had you know the right type of personality to carry a pipe or to, to provide these services. And he created like self-sustaining communities that, so we traveled around uh, a lot in Quebec, a lot in Ontario, uh, a lot in BC, uh, northern states, uh, traveling different communities, passing on ceremony, training people. And uh, so, yeah, so when David came to the community, it opened up ceremony for me. And uh, being a young man, uh, I wanted to change some of the, some of the the things that I inherited. Uh, You know, there's, Things that we inherited from we inherit from our, our grandparents or from our parents, uh, and you know my grandfather having being raised in residential school, going to residential school, and my father having his own demons and and not not dealing with them, and alcohol being a, a big presence in that and uh, a disruptor. Uh, I decided early on that I want to end that cycle within my life. So, and I recognize that the best way to do that would would be to to do ceremony and to to take on that lifestyle. And uh, so I, I pledged to, to Sundance and uh, Sundancing, if people don't know, is uh, it's kind of our most holy of holy ceremonies. It's where we, we fast for a duration of time and uh, don't take any water or food. And the whole time uh, when you're dancing, you're not like moving around, but you're like stationary and you're blowing on an eagle whistle that dehydrates you even more. And, you know, it's hot and you're dealing with, you're dealing with like the elements, you're dealing with, you know, your internal stuff you're dealing with like other people and so it really like it it, it kind of hits you in, in all those areas that shows you where you need to work on and mm-hmm. how far you can push yourself and to go that length of time without food and water and to like stay focused and to finish is is a really hard thing to do uh so i figure like that going through that process it would allow me to to go through daily life uh to be able to to say no to certain things and to, to adjust my life in a, in a way that that I felt comfortable bringing kids into this world, you know, mm-hmm. so I could, I could, they, when I grew up in a life uh, where alcohol was the, so making those changes within myself, I, 
I uh, yeah, I started sundancing and then yeah. Yeah, I was just curious why, because it seems like um, there, there's been a lot of recognition lately, or a lot of emphasis placed on kind of relearning the teachings and ceremony, and maybe we can, like, it's a kind of a two-part question, like, mm-hmm. kind of like, what does that mean for Indigenous folks? And then the second part, like, why is that so important for... Um, well, the, uh, from what I know... Uh, like the World Health Organization, or some world organization that represents uh, indigenous cultures across the world, they recognize the, the two things that, that happen when, when a culture becomes extinct, uh, the loss of language and the loss of connection to the land, uh, especially with the language, because your language uh, connects you to the land. Uh, there's a word for tamarack. Uh, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like Wakanagan, and that means to bend. Uh, so when you look at a tamarack tree, to us it's a tamarack, but this, to other people, it, the word that represented doesn't represent, it's lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's certain, yeah. So with that, that word means more than just a tree. Just those, a tree. Exactly. People. Exactly. It, it represents so much more. And that goes for, for everything, you know, for like, like rain, snow, land, like all these different things. Like, so when you lose that, 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 that your language, you're losing a huge part of your connection to the land. Uh, and then again, after that, then you move them off the land. Uh, and, you know, they move to the city, they lose that connection. You know, it's it's really, yeah, it's just so important because uh, in the in the time span of, 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 you know, culture and society, it hasn't been that long since, you know, we were removed from the land and removed from our way of life. Like, mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it's just it, it's evident that that people are really affected by it mm-hmm. because of uh, of all the uh, social and you know the yeah you know it, it's heartbreaking that uh, yeah. So after I figured out ceremony, I went to school and uh, I'll get back to that question again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I started working in a provincial uh, jail for youth, and uh, in Ontario we have open and closed, so this was a uh, open custody. So it was all the kids with lesser charges and less time. I started doing reintegration work and uh, we had no one to do ceremony. So I, I came out West and I asked like, you know, how do I address this? And through ceremony, I found out that I was able to do sweat lodge ceremonies. So I started doing sweats uh, for the youth that I work with. And uh, it's just, it wasn't enough. Like I, I needed to learn more. And I just, my brother is just finishing up his doctorate in uh, political theory. And I told my brother, we had a conversation like 15 years ago. I said, I'm going to do this aspect of it. I'm going to like focus myself as if I was going to school, like you're going to school. So I, I dove right into the, to the cultural aspect of it. And, uh, that's when we started traveling across Canada. And I, I lived in breeze ceremony for 10 years. Like I, I didn't even fish. Like I, I, when I could, but it wasn't my, any other point, like before that. And now my main objective is, okay, how am I going to fish out of this? Like, <laughs> is there an opportunity to fish? Like, <laughs> is there a boat? Is there a lake? Yeah. Like, but All yeah. questions. <laughs> So, but for ten years, I, I everything was on hold, and it was just it was just ceremony. That, that was it. And uh, so I moved to Manitoba uh, in two thousand nine, and uh, started working at Stony Mountain. And uh, I was a cultural advisor, spiritual advisor. I did uh, I did sweats and ceremony with the guys in, in the jail. And uh, I worked on the really hard ranges. I worked on the max range. I worked on uh, the gang ranges, segregation. I work with a lot of sexual offenders. I work with just like the cream of the crop, you know, and, uh, 
they kept getting younger and younger and face tattoos and you know when you get a face tattoo that's that's committed like you're you're in it yeah and uh i was like man what the hell and you know just the toxicity of 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 a place like stony mountain in general especially doing the type of work that i was doing uh just wore on me you know like you you do so much time at stony even like the friends that i have are prisoners prisoner uh guards and cx's and stuff it's a tough goal you know to be able to to detach and to go there, do your job and not let it affect you. You know, like mm-hmm. the things you see, the stories you read, the the people you deal with, like it's, it's tough. So I decided, you know, like I came in here trying to help uh, men become better fathers and I decided that it's time to make, to help kids become better men. Uh, so I had a opportunity through uh, Mitch Bourbonnier from Winnipeg. Uh, one of the greatest guys uh, I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. He uh, works for a program called uh, OPK, and through uh, his own name, he runs uh, something called Action Therapy. And Action Therapy is, uh, the basic idea behind it is like lateral empathy. It's just getting kids involved in helping other people, uh, getting involved in the community, community events. Uh, the guy's everywhere. He's, uh, he's yeah, he's, he's a machine. And through Mitch, I was able to, to realize that, like, there was the freedom for me to to be able to to be my own boss to to provide my therapy the way I saw it through like my gifts and who I am uh so yeah so I did action therapy for for 2 years but in the process uh, I figured that you know the city I just couldn't find the rhythm of the city and I wasn't I didn't feel like I was providing the best uh like care that I could provide for these kids and to provide offer the best therapy when I when I did feel that way, it was when I take him on the land, uh, take him out fishing, or take him to ceremony, or whatever. Uh, so through that, I had a conversations with uh, Southeast uh, CFS, and we developed a, a program called land based therapy. And uh, land based therapy, it's uh, modeled after action therapy, uh, in the sense that that we're bringing in uh, role models, we're bringing in. Uh, men and women that that have taken uh, taken upon themselves to to make those changes in their lives, just to to be that person, you know, to to end those cycles, like like those cycles that I talked about that that I want to deal with and that you know I deal with, and uh, but to do that with the idea that that we're reintroducing that relationship to the land, and you know, my passion is fishing, and the other passion is like I said, like doing wood, and, and so that's what I offer the kids, and, and that's the way. But any individual that comes in, like whatever, like if it's, you know, I heard that you guys had a guy that elk hunt for 20 years and he's still, still banging away. Yeah. That's passion. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's, you know, that's amazing to, to still want to go after 20 <laughs> years and be like, this is my year. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's that, that it's that I, I have that. I, I recognize that. I, I understand that, like that man doing that. And, you know, if we're able to pass that on to the youth to get them focused that, you know, like you have this relationship with the land, it doesn't have to be, you know, what, what, yeah, it doesn't have to, you don't have to gangbang. You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Go fishing, man. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, a little off track, but. A lot of times too, like people don't grow up in those environments and they, like you said, that gets lost. Right. And, and if you don't know somebody to introduce you to that and show you. Yeah, the ways or the how to do stuff or where to do it, and but and all, like all, stuff, all right? these kids, like they, they have like their granny and their grandfather. It, it's such a huge thing in, in our culture, like that uh, to that reference, like my granny or my my papa and my Goku. 
they, you know, it's, it's part of like how we like, as a, as like raise like our, our kids, it's a huge family. Like, you know, every race or every ethnicity has like, they, they have that family base and with that's our strength is our family. And, uh, the residential school created a rift in that. And, uh, we learn unhealthy ways to express our emotion, to express uh, love, to express like these things because of of what a lot of our parents went through and grandparents went through. And, you know, so we left kind of like a, like a, like a, like a hole there, like a gap. And, uh, you know, I always felt that that ceremony uh, was the, the answer for that. And ceremony is the answer for that in a sense. But there's other aspects of it too that that we we don't focus enough energy onto, and that's like the land-based aspect. Is like is getting back on the land if you can learn your language because that's huge. Uh, the other aspect of it is nutrition, and you know what we put into our bodies. It's so it affects us so much. Like like just from me dieting down or like you know bulking up or whatever. Like the effects that sugar have on you is insane. Oh yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, all these processed foods and, and, you know, just taking in this energy, it, uh, you know, so part of like what I like to do is, is like, I really push hard to like, to manage my, my, my nutrition and to be that person. Cause it's hard, you know, we, we all just want to be comfortable. It's mm-hmm. hard to go to the gym every day. It's hard to like buckle down and like eat like a consistent, you know, meal plan and to do those things. But the benefits are huge. Like, so, you know, if, if I as on my own, like if, if I'm like, you know, doing my best to, to be the best ceremony person, to be the best, taking care of myself physically, uh, you know, getting on the land, doing my thing, you know, take all those things. Like then if I, if a kid sees that, you know, they're not used to seeing that mm. and it, it's attractive. Like they, they, they resonate to that. They, there's an ownership there. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in command of your own life and your destiny in some ways. Yeah. So, you know, accountability, uh, hard work, uh, those things, like they, things that my grandfather passed on to me, things that my mom passed on to me, like, and, you know, I want to pass this on to the kids because they, they grew up in a system that eventually they realize that, that someone's paid to love them and it hurts, like, you know, and when they realize that, you know, it's, it's rough, like it's, it's tough, like working with some of these kids, it's, uh, like their stories, it just breaks your heart, like it's. Mm-hmm you kind of, you got to disconnect a little bit and you can't, you know, so you know, having worked in the provincial system and the federal system and, and now CFS, it's allowed me to, to build up that, that skin that, you know. Right. So, um, I mean, most of our listeners on here are from Manitoba. Um, but can you just explain what, uh, CFS? Yeah. CFS. Right? So, uh, I'm not hundred percent sure what like the policies or like the, like the statutes or, provincially what it is but but every province uh has a child and family services and that child family services to my understanding is there to when society deems that the the child is in an unfit home then they'll be put into a home that where they can be cared and and provided with services that that we should be provided the thing about the the west uh the prairie region is uh we have a high native population and and uh it's sad to say that manitoba there, there's ten thousand youth that are in the cfs system and of that ten thousand i would venture to say that at least 90 percent of them are native american uh indigenous 
so the child family services, it's kind of like for years, uh, it was all about apprehension, all about taking a kid from the home, put him in a happy home, let's fix the kid. But now instead of doing that, we're looking at preventions. So CFS now uh, has more of a mandate of like being preventative, helping the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's keep the kids with the family as long as we can do what they can like for the family before it falls apart. Whereas, uh, and you know, this is kind of harsh to say, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to say the truth. It's kind of like a money grab. Like in, in Manitoba, like for me, when, when I look at the, what, what provides money for Manitoba, you know, we, we got the prison systems, we got the CFS system, we got agriculture. Uh, what else we got, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it provides a lot of like economy to Manitoba and the prairies, like this, this native problem. All across the board, you know, it's uh, we we fund, you know, the 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 hospitals. You know, we fund, you know, like all the social stuff. Like, right. There's, there's, so you're you're talking about like provincial and federal dollars going into these systems and creating uh, um, programs or, or research or creating jobs. Jobs, yeah. It's create jobs. Yeah. It does. It creates jobs. It's it's a sad reality, but but native natives are good business. Yeah, you know, sick people. It just like pharmaceuticals, all these different things. Like it adds up. Like the, the sicker you are, and the more help you need, the more money people make. Like yeah. So the, you're saying there's a bit of a cycle here, and there's it's not. It's huge. Like yeah. I, I, like I, the, the work that I do is that if if I could, if I get one kid out of the system, and then it, I'm saving the system millions of dollars. Because mm-hmm. when you really think about it, like really honestly. So if this if this young man or young woman uh, uh, decides to to break those cycles, to to do you know to to get an education, to do whatever they need to live a healthy life, to make healthy choices, and then their two to three children don't end up within the system, well then those two to three system or kids aren't being offered like eighteen years worth of programs. Like eighteen years worth of interventions, eighteen mm-hmm. years worth of preventions, like mm-hmm. that's huge. Like that's that's a lot of tax dollars. Like that's no, a lot not of... to mention the quality of life for those kids. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like I, I take my job like really seriously in that sense. That like um you know like I like yeah people say well you know he's getting paid to take kids out fishing but you know if I could save the future you know in that aspect I, I look at it that way mm-hmm. uh and that makes sense for me when, when i have to explain it in that sense but in the other sense it's like yeah i'm, I'm just trying to help people I'm just yeah trying to make better lives like, yeah there has to be some sense there too that what you're doing is going to have a bit of a ripple effect yeah as in like that kid will grow up and hopefully pass it on to uh, yeah. even if it's two other people you exactly. know exactly yeah just pass it on like it you know, it really struck me too, because when I was in the jail, like a lot of these guys would say like, man, I remember going to camp when I was a kid and I remember like, you know, going out fishing. I remember, you know, I wish we had more of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to circle back to a couple of things you said, because they really resonated with me. Actually a lot, obviously, but uh, I'm just uh, thinking about a couple of things that sparked panoramic for us and like just acknowledging one diet being huge and like, mm-hmm. A huge part of our journey, I think, has been how do we reconnect with the food that we get so that whether yeah. that's gardening or harvesting yeah. our own animals, trying to eat in a more sustainable fashion. Um, but the other one is um, I, I really want to hammer home this point of uh, the the primacy and the importance of land and what that means um, because it, it was really an awakening for me in some ways, um, not just personally, but um, 
recognizing what it meant for indigenous culture in the sense that like land is central to identity. Mm -hmm. And for me, what that meant was um, that I knew, I recognized that I existed not apart from an ecosystem, but as part of that ecosystem and that I was a part of that land, right? And that I gained my energy and my sustenance from that land. And one day I'm going to be back (laughs) <laughs> giving my energy yeah. back to it but yeah hopefully not tomorrow but <laughs> yeah and then, and then the other thing too about that that land stuff is like the land-based diets are huge too you know for for us to get back to eating you know geese walleye uh, moose deer you know sturgeon uh these seasonal animals that we would eat you know mm-hmm. uh the seasonal approach that's another thing too like i gear my my therapy towards like what's seasonal right now and uh you know, a lot of it is a, like a modern approach too. Like, like let's go target walleye or you know, big catfish or just for the experience. And through the experience, you explain that you know that everything that goes along with fishing, like respecting the fish, you know, how to handle it, safe handling, you know, how long to keep it out of the water, like you know, taking out your barbs for this reason, and then for the other reason is you know, if you get a every fisherman has had a hook through their hand. Oh yeah, if you got a barb on there, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. so part of the reason, like, like being first, like. Being indigenous and being like full status, I could leave my barbs in. I take them out like because of the respect I have for fish, and also because like it hurts like hell. Like. But yeah, so anyway, so I you know I'm passing on these things to the kids while we do it. But at the same time, like it's important to know that like in the end, like you, like even though we're targeting walleye, then they know when walleye are, are easier to catch. You know, they know when they're in the river, they know when they're in the south basin. Uh, you know, modern approaches on how to catch them. You know, there's also like we could go toss out a net. Uh, you know, it's an experience on its own to do that, you know, if we're going to feed a community. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. And then, you know, deer hunting and figuring out, you know, how do you harvest a deer? How do you respect that animal? Like all those practices, uh, maintaining, like building a relationship with an animal. Like there's uh off track here, like going back to Tamarack. So for Tamarack, a lot of our ceremonies, we use Tamarack to build our lodges. And one ceremony that we do is called the shake tent ceremony. And a shake tent ceremony, it requires these these wooden rings. So you make the ring out of tamarack, but like you try to make it as like nice and circular as possible. Because if you don't, then you get these like these like cat eye, like because it bends or cracks or so. For years, I tried to figure out how to make the perfect circle, like by doing it like without uh, a lot of modern intervention, like no no steaming, no like shaving it down, gluing it. So I like painfully bent so many tamaracks with my knee, with my arm, like figured, like I built a relationship with this. So like, uh, you know, now, like when I'm bending the tamarack, I know when it's getting to that, that point, like, cause I've, I've, I've worked with it enough. Like I understand it. It's the same thing. Like that I'm trying to like these kids, like for the, like the walleye fishing, like you build a relationship with that fish. Like, like there's, and then that, that other thing that we talked about, about the, the sounds and smells and things like that. Like, there's memories that I have, like, fishing with my dad, and, like, it doesn't always kick in, but sometimes I'll, like, handle a walleye, and I'll get this beautiful memory of, like, something I experienced with my father, and, like, mm-hmm. brings me back to that place, you know, so it's through that relationship that, that you know, that's the that's the connection to land base that I'm talking about, is, like, mm-hmm. that right there. It's, like, building those relationships, and then, like, you know, our, our foundation uh, of, you know, how we build ourselves up from that point, like, is built from that from those memories, those, those core memories of like bringing you back to those places of, of a good place of like, a, you know, and even the bad stuff, you know, it's, you know, some of the fishing trips that I had that were, 
horrible are some of my best memories. Yeah. Some of the best stories told, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like there's some there's some technical skills teaching going on, but there's also like almost this kind of like flow to yeah. it. Too. There's a the, flow. The natural, yeah. Natural you, aspect of it, yeah. You're recognizing kind of your existence and yeah. the coexistence that's occurring there. It's pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty deep. Um, so what's that typical day like on a, a boat with you? Like, what do you, like, are you, you're punching into office here and yeah, having yeah. your morning coffee or what's the story here? Well, it's, it's kind of, I, I don't want to, people are like, yeah, it's kind of slack really. I, I, well, so when the kids went in a pre-COVID life, uh, I would get up, go to the gym, like first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, get home, uh, get kids off to school, daycare or do the daycare thing, school thing, then hit the gym. And then after that, uh, a lot of these, depending on what it was, like if we were leaving to go on the lake, then we leave a lot earlier. Uh, but yeah, typically it's pretty easy going. Like I, I live like a pretty envious life, I guess. Uh, yeah, just get up, start the day. Uh, in the summertime, like lately, I'll go get the kids and we'll hit the water by. So if I'm driving to the city, go pick up the kids. Uh, the other thing about the job is that it's it's these kids like they'll commit the night before and then the morning of like if it's if it's really early then they're little shits and mm-hmm. starting them up and <laughs> chasing kids. Uh, but yeah, so I do a lot of my fishing on the Red River. Uh, I've uh, I'm really into uh, supporting local. That's uh, why I love Iron Image, uh, Smokes and Fish. Like I'll give them you know Smokes and Fish. I give them as much business as I can. Like I try to like keep it local. I don't like it when I have to drive to the city to go to Fishing Hole or, or Cabela's mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, I'd rather keep it local. Uh, and that's my thinking for Selkirk too. Like, I, I love the launch there. Uh, I love driving up and I have a great relationship with the people that clean the boats there. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. You know, it's part of the, the process that I enjoy. I think our buddy Jesse was cleaning last summer there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's back at it this summer. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's great. And then, uh, you know, the kids experience that too. They, they see me interacting. And then, uh, yeah, we launched the boat. Kids, I get them to help out with every aspect. I'll, you know, show them how to tie off the ropes properly. Uh, you know, I'll tell them about the, if the wind's blowing in a certain direction, they got to watch the boat, like the way it drifts. And and then, yeah, so we head down the red. And then uh, usually we head towards, uh, I mean, when you're catfishing, locks is always the destination, uh, especially this time of year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so as we drive up towards Lockport, uh, I just kind of talk to them a little bit about the history or like, you know, I think part of the biggest part of the therapy too is just being out on the water. It's the act of fishing is like a bonus. Like it's just the experience of the wind, the sights, the sun, like whatever type of day it is. Uh, I love the ride from Sucker Park to Locks. It's uh, it's like as soon as I hit the water, it's like everything is gone. You know, stress yeah. is gone. Those fields are gone. You know, it's fishing time. Like it's just like you you go back to that place and and yeah, so. It's awesome. And then we get up to locks and, you know, it's, especially when the locks are open, it's, it's an experience for these kids to, to be there and to see all that water and to the, the strength of it. And it's powerful up there, man. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's intimidating, uh, when you first experience it. And then, yeah. And then when you hook in your first catfish, like it's, you know, I tell the kids like, hang on, man. Like, <laughs> you don't know. Like he doesn't know he's hooked uh, yet. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's great seeing these kids like, like these kids, you know, trying to be macho, trying to be tough. And, you know, are you getting tired, buddy? Like, you, you want to tap out? Like, you want to go wide the rod? Like, yeah. And a lot of humor. Like, like I'm a, like, normally I, I'm really tame right now. Normally I swear a lot. And, uh, yeah, a lot of humor. A lot of, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Keep uh, everybody smiling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 
and then like I, I don't even fish. I just let them experience it. Mean, I cater to them completely. And and then yeah, there's moments for for therapy where like there's an open moment where I feel there's a teachable something or something I could pass on or whatever. Then I'll take those opportunities. But I never feel like I have to force uh, a message or force like whatever. It's just if it doesn't happen that day, then it doesn't happen. Some days like some days it's amazing uh how things work like i've had kids share things with me uh that i thought were were like it was all i was like wow we're at that point now where you're sharing something that intimate with me and i felt like like this is awesome that that he feels so comfortable like right now that he's mm-hmm. able to let those those guards down and to, to share something like that so i have days like that where you know you have these like profound moments where you feel like you really really hit home uh and then other days like i feel like like did i even did that kid enjoy that was i was today mm. good like i get this like this like performance anxiety like did i you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. was i therapeutic <laughs> enough today and then I'll, I'll get like uh afterwards i'll be like yeah i really enjoyed it and he was talking about this and i'm like holy cow i didn't even think that he would have like picked up on that like yeah so yeah it's it's always you know it's always very rewarding in that sense yeah and uh yeah one thing uh, this conversation kind of re- reminds me of too is our buddy Josh McFadden. There, he he's speaking about how you know you get somebody outside, you start having conversations with them that they don't normally have, yeah. whether it be like it's a gift stuff thing. that's bugging them or gift. or whatever it may it's, be. It's you know? a, yeah, yeah. People tease they they say like if you end up going for a car ride away, like you'll end up having this like you'll just mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just something that like that people just like they feel comfortable enough to, to share share with me. I'm like it's it's an honor like to, to have people to for me to to offer that that they feel comfortable enough to, to share those things mm-hmm. yeah it's beautiful yeah i do uh, and i do some work kind of like in we'll say the more traditional like health fields kind of side of things mm-hmm. and the mental health side and uh i could see how that approach would be beneficial because so often when we're in the the more traditional system we'll say or like the more conventional health system everyone's busy everyone's so busy and there's always an agenda yeah so i could see if you were a youth who has maybe not had their voice heard a lot during their life or maybe um you know not been exposed to some of the teachings that you've been saying i could see why they would be speculative to to open up to someone but when your agenda that day is to fish yeah and that's that's it yeah i and you put things like relationship building at the front end and, yeah. and, you know, having fun at the front end, I can completely see how, yeah. um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Those things would come out for sure. It's beautiful. Yeah. So like, how do you measure success then? Like in, in what you do, like, how would you, how would you know you had a good day? Well, I don't know. It's just, you, you just feel it, I guess. It's like almost like your intuition, I suppose. I'm a, I'm a really hard person to like to to own up to like like if somebody were to be giving me a compliment I wouldn't even know they're they're talking about me I kind of feel that way sometimes like I don't give myself a lot of credit for what I do mm-hmm. uh, but I mean if a kid wants to come back fishing with me then I'm like cool I did my job <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> that's awesome. the the metrics on that are like can be very yeah. different given. Well, every I mean, situation so, right so, yeah sometimes it'd be like does he want to get out fishing like oh no he says no today i'd be like oh did i do something wrong like, mm. but then it's like no he was you know he had other plans or maybe he was did something or he's hung over I yeah, don't know. They're, like, teenagers. <laughs> yeah they're, they're teenagers, teenagers right? yeah. yeah yeah no but yeah so for success like that is just and then i mean how well uh 
I guess they share their experiences with their their social workers afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the amount of referrals, I guess, I guess that kind of rates the mm-hmm. the progression that I'm having. Yeah. I don't really want to call it success. It's more like a, a progression. It's more yeah. like, yeah. I'm just wondering too, if you've had any like really memorable days on the water, for example, like I, I can remember sometimes when I've been teaching in, in that teaching role, um, one time, for example, with uh, a girlfriend's younger brother and uh, we had sat in the stands in the cold of the winter for or like that end of November rifle season kind of for yeah, yeah. days on end. And he wasn't seeing anything. And I like, we landed, we put him in the good stand from the, from the start. And I like, we had multiple conversations around what deer hunting looked like and what this kind of this time of year looked like. And uh, we know they're there. You just got to tough it out. <laughs> and sure enough, on the last day, he plugs this like beauty buck, yeah, and he was ear to ear about oh, that's that. Beautiful. Yeah, that's that's it right there. That's the thing too. Like, there's been times where I've taken people out and I feel like I've ruined them because the fishing has been so good. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And like, don't expect this. Like, I am so I'm genuinely sorry for you having such a successful trip. Like, yeah. Because now you're ruined. Yeah. Because now you're gonna be measured every fishing trip from this fishing trip. Yeah. And I apologize for that. There was one time I took out three youth, and we were at chalet. And normally that time of year, chalet, like it's you gotta really work to find them. Like, and you know, I I don't. I don't yet have like that much of a network of people where I could say like, you know, where are you fishing? Like, you know, I have people that I, I talk to and I get a general feel of where to go. Cause when you go to the South Basin, it's like almost like flipping a coin. If you don't know what you're doing, it's like flipping a coin. Sometimes yeah. you just drill a hole. It's like playing slot machine. You just kind of get lucky. Uh, but I had had some success in the area and I knew that, that, you know, it could be a good day over here. So we went and uh, within that day, we must have like in the four hours or out, I used over 30 walleye and uh, we got three masters and two more wow. masters that got off at the hole. No kidding. Yeah. And those, those kids, like they, like that was, that was fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. Those kids. That's like, a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Was like, yeah. Yeah. Amazing day. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, you have times like that where it's, it's great. Yeah. How did you get turned on to Lake when a big ice fishing? I want to. Well, uh, so yeah, when I, I talked about my pastor, I took that, that kind of hiatus from fishing for a while. And, uh, one day I decided, you know what, ah, screw it. I'm going to go try like this, this muddy water. And, you know, growing up in Ontario, we had a few river systems that, that flowed north into James Bay, uh, that were like the Fraser river and Abitiba river and Moose river. Uh, and I never enjoyed fishing them because like the, 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 when you catch a walleye, they're really pale. They got that, you know, they're kind of, you know. And a lot of it is attributed to, like, bank fishing. And, like, I, I like targeting fish. I like I like moving around. I like, you know, getting on fish. And I like attacking. That's that's the way I, I fish is I attack. Uh, so, yeah. So, it just wasn't attractive. Like, the whole idea of the Red River. And I didn't have a boat at the time. But, anyway. So, December. I was like, screw it. I'm going to go fishing. Uh, it was late, late December. And even then in Ontario, we didn't fish in Ontario. Like, it's weird. Uh, the first ice is always uh, brook trout, rainbow trout. Mm-hmm. Like you're stepping on the ice and it's, it's bowing like mm-hmm. to your steps. Like you tie a rope around your waist to, to just get out far enough to, you know. And then shortly after you move into January and then January is lake trout and you fish lake trout until, uh, you know, into February. And then February, you, then you veer off, you start fishing pike and walleye. And then end of February, all of March is dedicated to walleye. 
So for me to like think of walleye fishing in December, I was like, this is crazy. Like we don't, we don't <laughs> fish walleye in December. Like it's way too soon. Like, so anyways, first walleye that I catch is like a 29.5. No kidding. Haven't fished in yeah. all this time and I'm welcomed by this, <laughs> this monstrosity. And like growing up in Northern Ontario, if you catch like a, a six, seven pound walleye, like, like you did it, like mm-hmm. you're, you're in that club, like. There's a lot of little lakes, a lot of grinding, uh, a lot of like nice quality fish, but Lake Winnipeg is a, is a monster factory. Yeah. And like this thing was like a mutation. Like I didn't know, like just like, I just remember seeing the head come out and like, I'll never forget that, the image of that. <laughs> I haven't caught a fish that big like since then. I've caught like a lot of masters and stuff. Uh, but yeah, so that was amazing. And yeah, so like right away I'm like, you know. This is like the, the king. I, I caught the boss. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> yeah. So after that, it was like, that was it. I was, you know, I uh, invested what I could, bought a little, little tent. Uh, I, just recently, I got uh, Strike Master Lithium. What oh, a, yeah. What a beauty. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. There's been times where like minus 30, uh, just to test it out, like I knew where I was going to be fishing. Uh, full battery, uh, extension up at Hecla, drilled my hole, set up my tent, left the thing outside and every, like, whenever I go drill another hole, go drill another hole. That thing lasted like all day out in like, you know, around the minus 30, minus 25 mark and and drilled over like three holes. Wow. Yeah. She put that baby to the test. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. So if anybody out there is thinking strike master, strike master, I, I, yeah, that's the way to go. Vouch for that. Yeah. Vouch for sure. Yeah. That's helpful. And then, yeah, so I, I didn't know anything about flashers, electronic either. Like back in the day, it was always just like you'd pop a hole and hope for the best. And when I started getting into flashers, that like that's 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 you know, you can be really aggressive on the ice if you want to be with so the flasher and, and, and with yeah. the electronics. Yeah, yeah, just beautiful. Such a such yeah, that's a, a, that's a game changer, man. It is. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about like all oh, like the trips before flashers. Is like what the hell was I doing? Like, yeah, you can still do really well <laughs> without a flasher, and we have in the past too. But like. Like but that's said, a, that's you, you, you know, like, if you have a good relationship with yeah. the lake, like, you gotta... But like, even there, there's times where you see there's a fish there, yeah. and he's not touching anything oh, yeah. until that's you start just, being aggressive with yeah, him, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he'll spark an interest. Oh, and some of the most heartbreaking moments is when you see a big mark come up, and you're like, and then it just rejects you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no. Like, was it me? Like, this is not what I did? Like, it feels like when you when you ask a girl out and she rejects you, you're yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I messed up. I thought this was perfect. Yeah. yeah. I thought we were meant for each other. Yeah. yeah. Checking your hook. Yeah. That looks good, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I would eat that. Caught one last time. That's funny. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Terrible. But, and you were saying it took you like a, a few years to kind of develop that appreciation. It really did, yeah. Because of where I grew up and just the pristineness of uh, Northern Ontario, where I grew up, it took me a long time to to really find the beauty in uh, Southern Manitoba, truthfully. Uh, I think what did it, honestly, was one day I was driving uh, from the bridge to nowhere to 59, and there's on the south side of the road, uh, just before you get to 59, there's an open field there that has these, you know, the big, uh, you know, oak and elm or whatever trees in the back. And there's this field there, and the depth... At a certain time, the, the light hits in a certain way that, like, the amount of green that's there and, and just the depth and, like, you see the humidity. And I remember at that exact moment, all of the green, like, hit me and I was like, there it is. Like, and I instantly, after that, I was able to recognize the beauty in other places, like, in the reeds and in the marshes, mm-hmm. you know, the Brokenhead River and then the Red River and then, you know, 
like Winnipeg, South Basin, Hecla, mm-hmm. uh, Washoe Bay, Madison Island, uh, Blood Vein. Like it's just there's so much beauty here. It took me a little while. Like it was, you know, it took me a little while to like to see it. But once I did, it was I, I like I honestly like if you're ever in the area in Chapel, uh, Wawa, Timmins, Cochrane, uh, especially the Chapel area, there's a lot of pristine lakes there. If you're in that area, you'll know what I'm talking about. But now I feel like like this is my home. Like I, I've completely like I'll always have my connection to to Cochrane, to Chapel, to those lakes. You know, Borden Lake, uh, Little Abitibi Lake, Big Abitibi Lake. Like those lakes, like I have a connection in the sense that I did with Clearwater. Like they taught me something. There's memories that are established there. There's feelings mm-hmm. that I have. Like when I get back to those waters, you know, when you catch a fish, it feels like you're visiting a family member. Whatever it is, like. Uh, but now I have that in Manitoba and, you know, I, I feel, yeah, it's beautiful. Like when you're able to really appreciate what you got here and to be like conservative about it, like, like people have this idea that, you know, a lot of like status people do, uh, at times abuse, like their, their rights uh, for angling and, and, and hunting. Uh, but most of us like really don't like, we, we have this sense of like what we have and like sustaining it. And uh, especially, you know, with the moose and, you know, a, a lot of the fishermen up north, like the commercial fishermen, I, I know some of them personally, and they're really passionate about the fishery and they're really passionate about the conservation aspect and mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, doing what they can to, to keep this going. Like you were saying before the podcast, uh, you know, this is the kidney of that, mm. that, that filters and it's our responsibility as, as anglers and as people to to take care of that. And I'm glad that I, I, I feel I've, I've gotten to that point where, you know, my life has allowed me to be. And, and you know, I, I do want to do more as I, as I, you know, as this river in this water is providing so much for me and so much for the youth that I work with. Eventually I want to give some more back to it. Like I want to like, you know, belong to whatever it is that, that I could best uh, say yes to and, and provide that energy to because mm-hmm. sometimes that you say yes to certain things that you know is saying yeah to them you're not going to be investing your energy right you're kind of like in the end you're like ah, maybe I just would have said no when I dragged out so long but I, I'd like to find something that, that is right for me and that I, I could passionately provide my energy and, and maybe even get the youth involved in, mm-hmm. in some of these projects I know uh, Rob Belanger what we initially started speaking about was uh, clean up the red. He had this program where uh, they go in the lockboard and just clean up all the garbage. Like, mm-hmm. He wasn't able to do it uh, last year, I don't believe, or it happened late. But things like that, I like to be, you know, get a part of those things. And like at the, like that would be like the the base of like what we could do is, you know, yeah. picking up garbage and making sure we're keeping it clean. Yeah, yeah. But then there's other things that are, that I don't even know that are happening that, you know, Mm-hmm. protecting this and, and but but the one way that i can do is taking the barbs out of my hook so the, you know so that relationship with the catfish i'm not i'm not i'm not hurting it i'm not uh, abusing it you know certain things like that you know like that i feel that it, mm-hmm. the, the little little things that we could all do it makes up so much more of a difference and just that taking the barbs out is such a big thing right? we've talked before too like it's interesting how it turns into kind of the self-reinforcing cycle like the more time you spend outside and in those environments the more you see the more you develop an appreciation like now when i go into the marsh i'm noticing things that i've never noticed before and like liking to see like that ecosystem either do well or maybe there's some hazards there that i'm i'm worried about too Mm -hmm. so like you like 
it really turns you into a conservationist in a lot yeah. of ways or like a, a you know environmentalist i don't know what the term would be but you're you're just a better person yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> just turns you into a better person yeah and, and being aware of it like and yeah. just being aware and like being in the moment and like and having those experiences where you know you're not being a dickhead about it like yeah yeah being present being present yeah, yeah. And another show that really turned me on to that was Meat Eater, like Steve Rinella. Like, that guy. He does who, a great who, job. Who's that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, he, he's like, uh, yeah, my wife says, you're doing that Steve Rinella stare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like, I, I, after listening to him, like, I, especially for hunting, like, I I passed up on a, on a bunch of deer because of, like, just, like, just to watch them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. Oh man, interesting conversation right now. I just feel like we're kind of walking through and I'm I'm just referencing like these times of my life now that like when I was younger, man, hunting and fishing, it was, it was really more focused on what are we going to catch? Yeah. What are we going to shoot? Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now you have this like broadened scope, as you say, like being present, kind of appreciating everything uh, more than what you have in the past and like uh last fall i mean we grew up meat hunters too like man every opportunity opportunity we had to pull the trigger and put some meat in the freezer yeah like legally yeah obviously um we were we're gonna do it so uh i think last year the year before not last year i think year before Year last before. year, last year you put a lot of meat in the freezer. Just I know, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> you're speaking about just watching some some animals. Yeah. And like, like normally, like growing up, that taught you see a doe, put that thing down, yeah. get some meat in the freezer, yeah. kind of thing. So I, I was I was uh, focused on like uh, harvesting a mature buck and um, a doe and a fawn and a small buck came out and it was really interesting. Just uh, you know, just to watch taking them. that opportunity to slow down and. And watch all that. Their interactions. Unroll. Yeah. And then and then also the other thing too when you start doing that stuff is like, okay, how much noise can I make without smoking them? Like, what, what can I, like, what can I get away with? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to kind of tip that and then see what spooks them and be like, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll do that again. I, I can say that I, I've kind of done it uh, a lot more without uh, a firearm in my hand, but yeah. it is <laughs> a different experience doing it with intentions with, of with harvesting. With intention, yeah. When you're holding and a then, gun, your heart's yeah. pounding like, oh, I could kill this thing right now. Yeah, you're so lucky to be alive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you put your scope up. You're like, ah, should I shoot it? Maybe yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Not yeah. only when you put your scope up, it's too late at that point. Yeah. Oh man. But no, I like I. Uh, yeah. So lately, it's been uh, like this area, like what I'm familiar with. So a lot of Red River, South Basin, Hecla. Uh, like I don't want to give away some of my spots, but I've I've managed to find some. If, if you're just smart about about the fish's biology, uh, their tendencies, the water temperature, uh, you know, how they reproduce. If you put all those factors together uh, and you do some some solid detective work uh, and look at the lake, you, there's a lot of opportunities in areas that, that a lot of people don't fish. Like, And this fall, like I was able to, or this spring, I, I found a pike spot that like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, uh, six casts, four masters. Wow. Yeah. That yeah, was my right. son. 
you know, talk <laughs> about ruining a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ruined my son because every time we go out now, he's like, Dad, is it going to be like uh, when we went pike fishing? Like, no, no. God, why did I do that? <laughs> but yeah, like, you got to take him out and just catch nothing for like <laughs> yeah. for like a few days. Yeah, like, but that's we, we went up to Clearwater and he fished with me every day and he never caught a fish. <laughs> and I was like, this is like no life teaching you patience, yeah. my boy. Like, yeah. don't get discouraged. Don't get turned off. I said, like I've had, you know, I'm 37. So out of those like 37 years, I've been fishing at least 33. Like mm-hmm. my, my dad used to take me out when I was still like, you know, he put me in the ice hut. And, yeah. But yeah, I've been hooked. Like, like I'm every memory that I have is attributed to like some sort of way, like outdoors fishing or whatever. I was like, you know, out of my, you know, 30 years of fishing, whatever, I've, I probably had like 25 years of, you know, how many days of hours of sitting in the boat with nothing. Yeah. But still, you know, just like your, your buddy elk hunter there. Like, oh, yeah. That's what it's about. Like, it's yeah. just, it's the experience, finding the love of it and being in the moment. And yeah, I was like, my boy, it's not about, you know, smashing masters all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, but I mean, you know, you know, set your standards, but like, yeah. So, that, yeah. Maybe, maybe we did it the right way then, Chase, when I'm thinking to hear our, uh, our partners, we took them out. Like, I'm sure they fished before, but we were definitely the, uh, the, the fishing motivated people in those relationships. And, yeah. uh, we took them out to the duck mountains on a camping trip. <laughs> Midsummer kind of thing. Midsummer. It spent four days on the boat, and I think fishing. Yeah, yeah. We got that's, one fish in the boat, I think. One or two, fishing. yeah. One or that's two uh, trout, anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's when I get like, uh, yeah, anxiety, it's performance anxiety, like, especially when taking friends out or whatever. Like, ah, oh, it's immediately. Yeah. But midsummer, like, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. 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 So, so they paid their dues there, and they've had a, a few good experiences. Yeah. In between now, so yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, no, it's it's just yeah. So now now I'm figuring out like uh, I want to branch up into the Nopamine area. Uh, a lot of like good possibilities up there. Uh, then up in towards Bloodvane, you know, the Mani- oh, yeah. Manitogan, and I did the loop around Bissette. That was pretty cool. It took nice. me about seven hours to do that loop. Nice little ride. Oh yeah. wow, uh, yeah, it's nice country up there. Beautiful, yeah, yeah, beautiful. And then uh, yeah, I mean, all across like Manitoba, you have like to be an angler in Manitoba, you've like there's a lot of distance in between us, like to drive to certain places, but I mean the, you know, the highways and, and traveling in Manitoba, it's really good. Like, I don't, I don't mind it at all. Like, you know, I can't wait to go back up to the pod. Like I'm looking at a, a way to get away. Like I'll go yeah. sleep in my truck just to hop in my, you know, sleep in the, in the parking lot by the boat launch. Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly plenty of opportunities to, to get after like, Manitoba has a huge diversity of fish, yeah, and it's, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. It is unreal. Well, yeah. and it's wild because, like, for for thirty five bucks, you get your license for the year if you're a resident here, yeah. and you can fish any virtually any lake, minus some of the ones in Riding Mountain. Yeah, um, all year long, you can't even buy a round of golf for thirty five dollars. Yeah, that's one round. <laughs> that's yeah. eighteen holes. And the other the other thing too that I really really enjoy about Selkirk in general. Uh, you see a lot of like diverse people like heading towards the river with like a fishing oh, yeah. rod and a yeah. backpack, and you see a lot of kids like heading to the bank for the day. That that's awesome. I love that. Like for a lot of our youth to like choose, like let's go sit on the river bank for the afternoon. And, yeah, like you know, hope for the best or like, smash some cats or. Man, our buddy Tim there, he's he's talking about his nephew who's now um, he he's like 
pursuing his liberty during the summer, we'll say. And they've him and he's got him and a couple buddies that have decided to take their bikes and they just cruise up and down the riverbank, smashing cats. I love that. And he's got his spot, and like that's how he's spending his summer. Like man, I, I it just floods me with memories thinking about yeah. all the time we spent on the riverbank chase, yeah. Yeah. fishing with shitty rods and like pickerel rigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. old pickerel rigs. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. That's right there. Yeah, that's it. Future anglers. And yeah. how's the how's the wood cutting work into it? Because I can yeah, see there'd so, be a little less buy-in, maybe. <laughs> uh yeah, bigger. yeah. There's uh, certain like certain groups of kids that like I I know I'll get more production out of them. But so the idea behind the wood cutting and what what sells the selling point is that it's providing uh, it's like lateral empathy. So the wood that we do is we provide it to elders who are going to be doing sweat lodge ceremonies. Uh, for the most part, it, it goes towards that. There's a, within the, the circle of, uh, that I'm still connected to with the action therapy. Sometimes like with the death in the family, traditionally they'll light a fire for four days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's in those moments where, where we do the lateral empathy work. And then through the process of cutting the wood, like I, you know, I, I'll teach them how to make a fire. Uh, we'll make a fire and roast like hot dogs while we're doing it. And, uh, and just talk about like, like like what they're doing like and and how important like fire is to us like you mm-hmm. know if it wasn't for fire like we wouldn't have technology like that's the root of our that was it that was the spark yeah yeah so like i i try to teach them try to instill like a little bit what my grandfather gave me about like uh work work first play later our responsibility as men uh you know the physical aspect of it uh again like seasonally when you do would uh just what you experience like you know, uh, cutting wood in November compared to cutting wood in, in January, uh, not putting yourself in a position to have to do wood in the middle of winter. You get it done when it's, you know, so you make that push and you, you plan. So there's a lot of like time management. And I just kind of try to paint them a picture of like, what if like your soul, like, uh, like what if you're just burning wood? Like, what if you have to survive? Like, mm-hmm. And then uh, from that process, you know, after we deliver the wood, then, like, I run a sweat uh, through my buddy Colin's program, Colin Labiak. Uh, he has a program called Anishawewin, and that's through uh, Southeast. And uh, so we got a little cultural thing going. So I, I have a little lodge on one of his properties. So now it's, like, up to, to training the kids, like, okay, so we're going to do all of the work behind getting this ceremony ready. So you can see everything that transpires that goes into the ceremony. So getting the wood like from beginning to end, chopping it, kiddling, uh, go getting the grandfathers, the rocks, uh, learn the like, teaching, like what we do when we pick rocks, the idea behind it, like how we honor them, get them, bring them, build up the crib, put the grandfathers, put the wood around, light up the fire, uh, uh, you know, the process of doing that, how long the rock should remain in the fire, you know, getting the sweat ready, putting the tarps on, and then keeping door, uh, bringing the grandfathers in, bringing the water in, uh, remaining present, paying attention to, you know, these different things. And then, the, you know, the feast afterwards. And even to the point where we've provided the feast food, uh, last fall, uh, before the river got really high, the greenbacks came in really early last year. Uh, so we were in a, we were able to get a decent amount of walleye 
and uh, I was able to shoot two deer and then we had some people donate uh, some some game and we provided a feast at the Thunderbird house uh, and fed the uh, the street people the homeless uh, we fed them on uh, on uh, Thanksgiving nice. so yeah so the kids that that took part in harvesting the food uh, you know cleaning it taking care of it uh, we cooked it and we they fed the people. So, uh, that's another part of the lateral empathy. And so, yeah, so that all ties in with like the wood aspect is mm-hmm. like, you know, we're providing for somebody, we're providing, you know, this and like through this, like, you know, healing is providing, provided food is provided prayer. Like, so it's, uh, so that's why I enjoy the, the wood aspect of it. It's cause it, it gives a background for, for what I can't teach while I'm fishing, like. Different aspects of it, yeah. It seems like there's almost like lateral empathy on both sides here. There's lateral empathy for like kind of the community that you're yeah. serving, but there's also empathy back towards nature as well for what nature's provided. And it's, like, a, it's a big value for for native uh, native people, native men. Uh, growing up in the reserve, my grandfather, you know, we take care of our elders. Uh, we provide for those that don't have. You know, it's like a social welfare system that we have. Uh, I used to go, you know. I would catch more walleye than we would need in our, our home uh, or trout, whatever was in season. So I'd flay them really nice, take all the bones out, prepare them, package them. And then I'd go to the old age home and I'd knock on all the doors and give walleye to the, all the elders. And they used to tease. They're, they're waiting for their husband to come. And, <laughs> you know, like they just, you know, the joking, the, the native humor that goes along with it. And uh, so for me, like, it felt amazing to be able to do that. So I wanted the kids to experience that, you know, to know that we take care of our community. We take care of our people. And, you know, the people in the city, we forget about them, you know. Those people are lost through the, the cracks in the system that uh, never, never, you know, just yeah. the, the forgotten people. So it was really awesome. So we're going to, I'm going to try to do that again this year, you know, COVID willing, mm-hmm. provide another uh, service like that. That's, that's uh, yeah, interesting conversation there too. Uh, I, I spent quite a bit of time up north and and uh, working with Indigenous people. And uh, one of the big things I noticed is they're constantly giving back to the community elders and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, and uh, the cutting wood thing, man, I got one one guy that I worked with quite a bit and talked to him. And, he's, he, you know, he's a pretty busy guy, works, works hard for a living and uh, works all winter and then you talk to him, ask him, you know, what would you, what were you up to all winter? I'll tell you about what he's working. And then, and then I cut, cut wood for my, for my grandma and my mom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, shit, that's a thing. You're mm-hmm. cutting wood for, and just stacking wood all winter. Yeah. 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 That's what I do. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's a lot of guys up there that it's like without bitching and complaining about it, it's just something they do. It's yeah. just, that's, that's a reality and they get it done. Like there's no belly aching about it. It's just, yeah, let's get it done. And I, I, I love that. I respect that. Like, just let's get it done. Like, mm-hmm. Just have that mentality. It, it's, it's, uh, and, and those are the people, like, the, those are the values that, that I want to, like, reinstill, like, to, to, like, reawake or to, you know, spark to, to have that, that selfishness, just to provide for people. Just mm-hmm. be a good person, like, and, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's a, kind of a privilege to hear you speak in some ways like if you flip flip on the news um too often you you can certainly be convinced that you know there's a lot of doom and gloom stories out there about Mm -hmm. the state of affairs and there's a lot of validity and you know um maybe some of the social and economic inequalities that exist those kind of things um but it it, it's also interesting to, to to acknowledge like the resiliency 
and also the when when you look at the leaders that are emerging in the community, you talked about Mitch and your buddy yeah. Colin. Like, yeah. there's some really oh, it's, it's amazing. A, the 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 upcoming people we have in our communities, the young people, uh, and the passion that they have uh, for for these like things like language and and land and ceremony and self governance and you know those things like. You know, there's times where you see people that are kind of going against the grain and they're ruffling feathers and they're they're upsetting like the, that that you know, and people have a reaction to that, and, and people like tend to react in a way that they're conditioned to react, and it's we're conditioned to see people a certain way, no fault of our own. I, I've had friends that I've had disagreements that I grew up with that that you know, I have to remind myself like he's reacting this way because society conditioned him to react this way mm -hmm. that, you know that it's not on his part that that like of course you have to people have to be accountable for for how they feel and what they say but at the same time like you have to give some of that back to you know this is the way we're trained to think like this is the way we're trained to respond and a lot of it is ugly and it's too bad that it, it goes to that point where people start throwing names or like start you know oh, we should go back to the old ways and just pile them up and you know, they're just welfare, or whatever. Like people tend to react. I mean, it's ugly, and I, mm -hmm. I, I, it's too bad that that we go to those places uh, as people. But the reality is, is that you know, we're just uh, a people that have, have suffered a lot of of hardships, and have, again, yeah, resilient. Like we maintain our culture, we maintain most of our language, we retained our our humor, we retained our our sense of taking care of our community. And you can't allow, you know, some of the the stereotypes and and uh, examples to kind of tarnish the, you know, to to bring, you know, to paint the whole spectrum. You know, like uh, we're just trying to get back a little bit of what's ours. You know, like like I I feel that like I'm from Treaty Nine, but I use my status card as a Canadian thing. Because this is this is our like this is a little bit of what we have left like mm -hmm. and you know uh, for people to react that way and to get so ugly when when we want a little bit for us you know like mm -hmm. it's just like, give us a little bit like you don't have to it doesn't have to become racial it doesn't have to become ugly it doesn't have to become you know slinging mud it doesn't have to be it's a human thing like we're human beings like and I mean like we have this idea of like this cancel culture now where we're like we can't forget the past you know things happen uh but again that was that was the flow of 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 where we came from you know not to to give it slack you know where people are complaining about john mcdonald people are talking about these people that implemented these these policies that that really had a huge effect on native people like and you know now we're looking back at them and realizing, well, ah, maybe this guy was a little bit racist, and maybe he did have an agenda, and maybe there is systemic racism, maybe there are these things, you know, maybe there is bad policing, maybe there are these, you know, we're at a point where like all these things are coming forward because, it, and you know, it's 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 upsetting, upsetting the way we do things, but we're at a point where maybe we need a little shakeup, like, mm -hmm. and you know, to give the native people like a little bit of self-governments a little bit of their own police force a little bit of these it's not really the bad thing it's not it's just gonna it's gonna serve us better it's gonna uh... and it's like it's also kind of cool to look at this this land-based approach that you've taken uh, because in the way i'm seeing it here is like there's there's definitely 
you can see the path to the past. You can see the yeah. path to the, the traditions and stuff like that. But it's it's also a path forward in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, it is, yeah. And so... So I'm just doing what I can from what I'm able to provide to kind of just better the next generation. To, to give the next generation uh, just a, a few more accessories, a few more, a little bit more. The way I always say it is that when, when we're... When you're pursuing uh, fitness or nutrition, you're getting out of your comfort zone. You have to challenge yourself. You have to set goals. You have to, you have to, whatever your goal is, like whether it is to, to lose weight, gain muscle, look at naked, whatever it is, like you have to, uh, you have to, you know, you, uh, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Setting goals. Yeah, setting goals. So doing all that, you, uh, you build up your personal power. Uh, so whatever your goal is, that's that's the war. But in order to win the war, you have to win the little battles in between. You have to build up your personal power uh, because whatever the end game is, wherever you're at right now, you might not be able to handle the end game. You're not prepared for the end game because you haven't given yourself enough uh, whatever it is, experience. You haven't leveled up. It's almost think of it like a video game. Certain people keep leveling up. Other people are just happy at a certain level, running around, doing their thing. Mm. But at some point, you could really recognize when somebody levels up, when somebody really takes in that that whatever it is they need to take in and, like, all of a sudden they're changing a bit. And you recognize that. And you're like, cool. Like, you end up feeling like maybe, you know, you have a little more respect for a person's resolve or, like, you know, you have, like, oh, this guy can get the job done. Like, Yeah. They yeah. earn that grit. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah. So, what I'm trying to do is is to give these kids, uh, in a literal sense, ammunition to fight those little battles to win the, that war that they're fighting, and and that's in a in a in a literal sense that's that has nothing to do with like you know being you know people going out there and and you know fighting or actually physical stuff. It just means like like we're it's like that inner parasite that just wants to be comfortable, that just wants to like Netflix and chill, that just wants to eat that, that, you know, just wants to take the easy route to take what's comfortable, to hit the microwave, to, you know, it's, it's that little bit of extra work that, that goes into, to, uh, wreck, just that feeling. It feels so much better when you work just a little bit more to, to get that, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, so challenging, challenging yourself in that sense. So I, coming into the, working with these kids, I always, in the in the backdrop of it all, I always say like you should really like try to pursue like fitness and, and health because those things you learn in the gym and those things you learn in the twenty three hours you're not in the gym, uh, how to like limit yourself, how to like have the like to be able to say like I'm not going to snack or to be consistent in what you're eating and to to go through those hardships of like getting those gains and experiencing that feeling of like smashing through that, like mm-hmm. it, it transfers into life. Like you could transfer that into your schooling. You could transfer that into your work. You could transfer that into your fishing. You could try how you pursue anything. Like if you, if you know, like, and that's the same thing with Sundance. Like if you could push yourself and you, you could get through that. Cause when you're Sundancing, like your anger will pop up, your self pity will pop up. Like I've suffered so much in life. Why do I have to go through this? Like I've already been through enough. Like, you know, and all these different things pop in your head and you got to beat them back and you got to figure out a way to, to control that, the beast that is your mind. And I, I just think that, you know, uh, having those experiences that build up your, your self-worth and build up 
you know, so putting these kids in positions where, you know, reeling in a 20 pound catfish, you know, catching a master pike, you know, catching a 29 inch walleye, catching 30 walleye, catching nothing, setting up a sweat when it's minus 30 and the there's a 40 kilometer north wind and you're not, you know, <laughs> and, and you're not dressed for the situation. You know, putting kids through these experiences and explaining, like, like, you know, afterwards, like, you know, what did you learn? You know, what, did, what, did, you know, I bet you weren't, you, I bet you wish you weren't wearing those shoes, you know, or whatever it is. Like, you know, just being prepared for situations. Like, yeah. next time I say we're going to do wood, don't wear sandals. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. So it's just it's it's little steps. You know, for us, like, depending where you are in life, like your battles might be a little bit different, and the ammunition you need might be whatever it is, but. It's and then again, like it's keeping it simple and it's teaching those, those core little values and passing that that shit on there. Just a ton of respect for the work you're doing and um, the, the values you're sharing and the goals you're trying to accomplish. I'm wondering too, like if I'm sure there's some people sitting thinking about like reflecting on their own life and thinking like, how do I get myself into a teaching role like that or how do I like. It can't, I, it can't be forced. It's yeah. just, it's got to happen naturally. Uh, you, you could, yeah. I mean, you certainly open yourself up to the idea that you want to give back. You want to do more. And I think having that attention, that intention, will just, it'll, it'll manifest itself. If you open yourself up to that energy. And I believe that entirely that, uh, you know, if, if you don't have a vision and you don't have an idea, then if you don't have that intention, then how is that supposed to come to you? Like, mm. And if it does, you're not going to recognize it. Mm-hmm. But if you have the intention and then a uh, opportunity presents itself, then you'll, you'll jump on that, right? Like, mm-hmm. Because you're intending your energy. Be open about it. Be passionate about it. Yeah. Be intentional. Yeah. Be in, yeah. And then opportunities will come. And, you know, it might be, yeah, just taking in strides and just be a good person about it. Like, let's, let's all just, like, from our passion of fishing and, and, like, what we have, our passion for the land, you know, let's transfer that into a human thing. Just let's remind yourself that, you know, life is hard. We're all in this together and let's just make it a little bit easier for the next guy. Yeah. Next, next person. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of better words to end on than that. So why did like, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you very much. Um, but we can't let you off without uh, subjecting you to our five burning questions. We normally do them at the front end, (laughs) (laughs) but we forgot this time. So you're getting them at the back end. Let's do it. And they're, uh, they're just meant to be kind of rapid fire. And uh, sometimes they go long. Sometimes they go short. (laughs) If you had, uh, if you had one fish to catch for the rest of your life, what fish would it be? Lake trout. Nice. Is there a reason behind that or just that's, that's the one. They're majestic. Yeah. Some about them. Yeah, we we've have have the same feeling around around the species, man. Yeah, and 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 they could elude you. They could they could you could catch a ton of them, or you could catch none. Yeah, like it's just yeah. Um, favorite season, winter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right on. Nice. Yeah. If uh, you know your final days were coming up, and you had one band to see, who were you going to go see, alive or dead? Foo Fighters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right on. I've okay. seen them a couple of times. Did you? Yeah, Dave Grohl oh, had that. No, he's passing up on Winnipeg, and the last time he broke his leg, I didn't get to see him. <laughs> yeah, he puts on a good show. Oh, though, I can't wait. He's like that guy is on point. 
yeah. his his like his thinking his everything i i've watched every doctor like every like yeah he's he's the shit that guy yeah Dave he's legit it's amazing how successful he's been but at the same time you can tell that he hasn't lost that humility no that he hasn't he's such a beautiful soul and like i know he is because my mom loves him that she, she calls him her, her boyfriend who <laughs> <laughs> uh, fighters that's good all right so after that concert you get to uh play it up anything you want for your for your uh we'll say final departure, what do you what's gonna be on the plate? On the plate? Yeah. Shit, eh? Steak or hamburger? Hamburger. Hamburger, I guess. Yeah? Yeah, why not? <laughs> hamburger. Dude, right? Yeah, barbecue hamburger. Right on. Yeah. And uh you a tiller man or a stern drive? Stern drive. Oh. Right on. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We we can dream about the stern drive chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocking <laughs> I, the tiller life for now. That's great. Whatever you got to get out there. Like I, the when I uh, first started fishing the red in a boat, I had my twelve foot. Uh, it's not even deep and wide with a three horse, and I was cruising out to the cut. No way. <laughs> oh yeah, there's, there's like boats past me. There, you know, two hundred horsepower. I'm like motherfucker. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there one day. Like yeah, give the wave. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That's no joke though, because the cut can get rough. Like it's yeah, still part of the river, still, but the, the the wind gets up there. It's, yeah. yeah, but I mean, like I seen a guy driving his bike with a sleigh behind it out onto chalet this winter. Ooh. That is that he made two trips. Mm-hmm. When people tell me they don't have the means to get out there, the guy had a bike. Yeah, it was like February. Mm-hmm. If you want to fish, get out there. Yeah, yeah, no excuses. Make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Right on, man. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for listening, folks. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. And uh, again, if you want to give us a rating on the platform that you're listening to, that goes a long way with us. And uh, yeah, Sheldon, what do you got? Uh, Yeah, same thing. Just And leave a comment. We love seeing people comment on what we're doing good and what we're doing bad, what we can improve on. I got a question for you, Chase, before we take off. Uh, 61 episodes are now done on the air on apple on podbean spotify etc what's your favorite one what's my favorite one yeah oh buddy you're putting me on the spot here <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know man it's it's weird because it's like it, i almost feel like everyone we do uh we always get a little bit better and we learn something new and it's always exciting going into a new podcast and uh Man, my favorite one. Jesus. While you're, while you're, Keevans? I knew you were going to say Keevans. I didn't say Keevan. I said Jesus, but we, oh. Keevan could be well, the, the, thing, the Jesus it? God of the elk in Manitoba. So maybe that's, the that's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's hard to pick one, but if I was going to pick one, I think one of my favorite ones for me to listen to, go back and listen to, is that turkey camp episode with Josh. And uh, it was because we were just having fun around the fire and there was no really. Uh, there's no framework to it. We just kind of blabbed on and recorded it. And it yeah. turned out to be a pretty good episode. It was just light, lighthearted and we laughed and had a good time. So. Yeah, McFadden doing what he does best is just dominating conversation and telling borderline believable stories. <laughs> he's been he's been rocking it though, hey? Like I see he's doing some cooking with Leatherman and a bunch of other stuff. He's been doing good work. Oh, man, he's Enjoying always up to some, some real cool shit. So, um, yeah, yeah, super cool guy. Oh, and by the way, I talked to Joe Papel today. He's uh, coming on the podcast at the end of October after his stone sheep hunt. No oh, big deal. man. My heart just throbbed. We'll get that. The bromance going. 
he's the next biggest human being so <laughs> all right guys good luck out there this fall we hope you're having some success uh whether you're in the woods on the water in the field keep those knives sharp keep powder dry shoot straight see ya <laughs>